this is not the Sunday Andrew's no, no, I'm doing quite complete. Awesome. Okay, praise God. If you'd like to come forward, praise the Lord. Praise God. The challenge with God's love is that it is so extreme. There's a tendency to say we can't hope to match it. Normal human effort is enough. The extreme nature of God's love says two things back to us. Firstly, that he expects our effort towards him to be extreme in return. That means not giving in to negative thoughts when we feel low. That means not being so caught up in fulfilling our own needs that we fail to be sensitive towards others. That means not shutting God out when we are busy or feeling wounded. That means not continuing old patterns of thought or behaviour that we know are holding us back, but we can't bring ourselves to be honest about it. The second thing God's extreme love says to us is that he rewards us when we show that our love effort back to him is extreme. That means he will lift our negative thoughts off us as quickly as we can hand them over and repent because it is important to us to be clean before him. That means he will sharpen our social radar and give us purposeful interactions because we are outward looking. That means he will give input throughout our day no matter what the situation because we dedicate each moment to him. That means he will have permission to challenge thoughts and behaviours that have no place in his purposes because we want all shackles broken. We're running a race that requires optimal freedom to give God the glory he so richly deserves. Second Timothy 2.4 tells us, No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. We walk in two worlds. Our human world needs our attention, but if we don't cement spiritual resilience into our lives, the enemy will be able to knock us down and keep us down, and then we will be ineffective in both worlds. The wonderful reality is that the more skilled we are in the supernatural, the clearer our human world becomes. We see things as they really are, not as they seem to others. We see the enemy's strategies from a long way off and we stay the course because we know we are involved in a war. God's love for us is relentless. If our love for him is any less than all-consuming, then we do a great disservice to his sacrifice for us. If we let fear, insecurity or any other restriction slow or stall our growth, then we may not be strong enough to take our place in the battle ahead and be involved in the great gathering that the Lord says is coming. If you feel there is an area of your life that is not what you know it should be, the Lord is saying to you, 
Let me be your strength. Call upon everything I am to make you into my likeness. Let us pray. You gave your life for us to secure our redemption. As part of our surrender to you in return, we know we have to be fully accountable to you about how we think and live. Continue to challenge us to reach ever higher in our quest to be all you would have us be. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. We worship you, Lord. We ascribe greatness to our God, the Rock. as we come to the ministry of your word this morning I just pray that your gentle spirit would be upon us and we would continue to bask in your presence that Lord we would not hear the heart of man but indeed the cry of the Holy Spirit that you would take these simple words that I've prepared Lord that you would break them as bread to feed us, to nourish us to strengthen us to draw us close to you. And so, Father, we pray that you would bless everything that's said and done this morning. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And just a heads up, I did announce last week that I would be speaking on, on water baptism. Um, but it turns out that, that Mike is, uh, has to work this particular Sunday, and so he wouldn't be able to attend his, his daughter's uh, water baptism, so we've moved it to uh, January the 7th, and so um, we, we're going to be looking at something else despite the fact that I announced baptism. So Ephesians chapter 5, I want to talk to you this morning about pleasing God, and it, it's it's found here in the scriptures in Ephesians, and um, it really describes our walk with, with the Lord. It's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. We're going to read just a few verses and really pray that the Holy Spirit imparts something deep into our spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live 
as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. As I was, I was seeking God as to what I should share, this, this whole thing about pleasing God came, came to, uh, to mind. And, um, I was thinking about uh, you know, our life before we were Christians. Uh, we, we, lived, we lived very selfish lives. I'm sure you, you could agree with that. Perhaps it's just me. I was a real heathen's heathen. But you know, I lived for myself. I lived uh, to, to please myself. Uh, and I think most people, um, generally, before they save, the, the most important person in their life is themselves. Uh, it's very rare that it's not always the case. There are, there are some unsaved people who do think of others. Um, but I, I would say, as, as a majority thing, you could say that the unsaved think of themselves. You were once darkness. We once lived and did things that were displeasing to the Lord, that... Uh, we're just glorifying the flesh. But he says, now you are light. We've been taken out of the darkness to lead a brand new life. And what a glorious life God has called us to lead. Amen. What an amazing life the Father has for us. When, when, you know, when I first was thinking about spiritual things, I didn't want to get saved. You know, I thought, no, I, I, I'm not sure that I want to do this because I'm going to have to give up so much. You know, I, I thought, I, discotheques, getting drunk, girls, um, you know, and we won't go down the rest of the list, but, you know, it's like, I didn't want to give up all that. I thought I was going to be losing out on so much. Let me tell you, when I finally made that decision, and I gave my heart to the Lord, and I fully surrendered, like you, I have found this incredible, most glorious, most wonderful, exciting, challenging, rewarding life. And so, you know, I've been doing this for nearly 50 years now, serving the Lord with all my heart. And it gets better. It gets better. It doesn't go dull. It gets brighter and brighter like the sun at noonday. It's more good. How many are you excited about serving the Lord? It's a glorious thing. Yeah, sure, there are challenges that come into our life. It's not, it's not all roses. Even roses have thorns. But, you know, there is this wonderful life. And I look around and... I, I just see the world around which God has created and I stand in awe and, and sometimes I, I just stop and I worship and I see something beautiful. I have a, a, a little thing that pops up on my computer, a, a little uh, a photograph uh, um, and it happened to be of two beautiful toucan birds. They were, they were black and orange and blue and yellow and green. They were magnificent. This photograph was truly spectacular. Um, it, it was filmed from very close by and it had just been raining and you could see the drops of, of wood hanging off the moss of these branches and everything else was blurred out and you just had these spectacularly beautiful birds and I was just mesmerized and out of my spirit I just went, oh Lord, thank you and I began to worship the Lord. You know, when I see God's beauty, I'm reminded that, of the world that God created for us, a paradise. An absolute paradise. When you're in the world, you're so busy running after the things of the world that you, you don't even understand what, what you're missing. Anyway, 
It was, uh, it's, it's come to that place where I, I just spend more and more time worshiping the Lord, loving the Lord, uh, and just because I'm, I, I'm amazed at His glory and His beauty. And He says, For the, the, the fruit of light consists in goodness, righteousness, and truth. You think that, that, that Christianity is a lot of rules, do's and don'ts? It's not. It's not. It's living in God's presence. And out of that, the fruit of God inhabiting you changes you. And suddenly your old worldly desires no longer rule in you. Those ruling passions were destroyed. And suddenly you love the Lord and, and righteousness, truth, and uh, um, goodness are just the natural byproduct. Amen? Amen. It's a beautiful thing. So it says, find out what pleases the Lord. And so I think that this, this scripture, if you, if you take it to heart, is for those who love the Lord. If, you, if your commitment to God is, is nominal, then you're not going to really bother to seek and to find out what pleases God. But if you suddenly had your eyes, remember the scripture says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Once you've tasted the goodness of God, it is it's, there's no, it's addictive, man. There's no high like the most high. It's glorious. And so we get this, this, uh, this desire to please the Lord. And so this is what, what we want to do. It's coming out of gratitude for, for what God has done for us. And I just love what the, the prophecy and the moving of the Holy Spirit this morning, just, you know, when we were talking about God's unconditional love. Because that's where you find the motivation to please the Lord. When you realize that you are loved, when you realize that your life is important, that your life is special, and that you are greatly loved by the Father, it's revolutionary. It's beautiful. And out of that, out of that love, when we see how He saved us, He's healed us, He's delivered us, and you know, He, he, he prospers us, He leads us, He guides us. It's just a beautiful existence. And so when, we, when we're loving the Lord, we need to find out what pleases God. I'm sure as I'm speaking to you this morning that there are um, things that God has asked you to do and wants you to do. Uh, and uh, some of us, uh, if you like me, sometimes, yes, Lord, I'm going to get round to that. Um, but we, we sometimes we, they just seem to get further down the list. But God wants us to come to that place where we can, uh, where we're seeking Him and finding out what pleases Him, and so that needs to be our motivation. If we love God, if we if we're excited about God, then we are passionate about finding out what pleases the Lord, and we, we want to we want to do that. We want to bless Him. The first thing that that I, I, I want to share with you is found in, in Psalm. Uh, 133 verse 1 I know it happens to be Steve's wherever you, Steve's favorite song, a song it says behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity for there the Lord commanded the blessing even life forevermore you know when we walk in unity God's blessing is upon us. And it's amazing what we can accomplish when we begin to walk in, in, in unity, when we strive for unity, when we strive uh, for, to, to preserve the body of Christ. You know, we may not always see the things the same way. Amen? We are all individuals. But one thing the body has to do is we need to preserve 
the unity. We need to preserve the Lord's body because there God has commanded the, the blessings. I think the, the, uh, one of the, the uh, shouts of the church would be like the three musketeers. One for all and all for one, you know. That's, uh, that should be the motto of, of every Christian church where we're working together, uh, combining our strength, our energies and our efforts to become uh, all that God calls us to do. Looking over the congregation, I, I, I see that uh, many of you will remember this song. United we stand, divided we fall. If our back should ever be against the wall, we'll be together. And I think that that's really a, a beautiful song. Even the world recognizes the importance of unity. Because when you come together, you be, you, you, it's a multiplying force. It's a, you know, what one person can do is limited, but what a number of people can do is not just uh, th- that person. It's multiplied. There's a multiplying force that comes into being when we walk in unity. You know, some jobs require a team effort. Some jobs can be done by themselves. But sending a man to the moon requires a team. You know, building a skyscraper requires teamwork, men working together in cooperation to, to build the kingdom, uh, to, to build whatever they are setting their mind to. Now, the kingdom of God is exactly like that. You know, we need to be working together using our gifts, our talents, and our abilities together to build the kingdom. Now, so, so often the kingdom is built around the, the lead person in a church, their personality. But that's not God's plan. You know, God wants to build the body, to activate the body, so that the body can begin ministering together. Can you say amen? amen. So we work together, we build together, and as a team, we start to build the church. So you have been given gifts, talents, and abilities. Find out from the Lord what your gift is, what your ability is, and then begin to use it to build the kingdom of God. You know, you can take the most gifted individual and put them up against a really mediocre team. And guess who's going to win every time? The team. You, you can take, you know, um, who, who's, who's the most prominent rugby player in, amongst the All Blacks now? Richie McCaw. You can take Richie McCaw and, and put him up against a high school team. And the high school team will beat Richie McCaw because he's playing by himself. You know, it's the team effort that, that beats every individual. And that's why God wants to activate all his soldiers. He wants to motivate the body of Christ to building together. Some are evangelists. Some are prophets. Some are teachers. But we all contribute to the working of God to build God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. So, we need to understand it. I love Kenneth Hagin's uh, little acronym, team, together each achieves more. And it's really true. When we come together, we harness the power of a team. Okay. Do you remember when, when this actually happened? It happened back in, in, in the book of Genesis. I mean, there was a rebellion against God. Man decided they were going to build a tower that reached unto them, the Tower of Babel. And in, in, as you see, uh, God came down and he, he analyzes what's going on. He says, the people are one. Now nothing will be impossible to them. Nothing. You know, when we work together to build the church, nothing shall be impossible to us. When we're working together, pulling together, preserving the unity, and going for it, 
God says nothing shall be impossible. We can accomplish amazing things. So that, that's, God's, um, that, that's God's description of unity. When we come together, nothing will be impossible. That's why the devil works over time to bring division, criticism, judgment, uh, all the negative things that you can think of into the body of Christ. You know, he wants to, uh, you know, complaining, criticizing, judging. He wants to break down that unity because he knows if we stand united, nothing will be impossible to us. And so we really need to come to... Sorry? That's what happened in lockdown. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so this is, this is the enemy's plan. He wants to make sure that we complain and judge one another uh, because that unity will then be dissolved. But when we move in unity, when we move according to God's plans and purposes, then the miraculous can actually take place. The kingdom of darkness will be overcome and destroyed. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It doesn't happen. You know, sometimes we, we feel we have a legitimate right to complain. This person did that to me. This person said this about me. This has happened in my life. And, and you know, we feel that we have a legitimate uh, right to come. But it says keep the unity. Work at it. Preserve it. And so sometimes we need to take those things. Instead of to the, the, the person that, that's offended, we need to take it to the cross. We need to come to Christ and give it to Christ. And say, Lord, please, I, want, I, want your, I don't want any schism in the body of Christ. So we work together for unity. We must encourage everyone else in the fellowship to work together in unity. Let's put aside everything that divides us. Um, let's lay all our grievances at the cross and unite around Jesus. How many think uniting around Jesus is the thing to do? Amen? Amen. Do you remember Jesus' prayer? Jesus actually prayed that. In John chapter 17, verse 21, we read Jesus' prayer. He says, and he's praying for, for the body. He says, that they may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that, they would, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given unto them, that they may be one even as we are one. The heart of the Father, the heart of God, is that the church be unified. The church be, uh, be, be blessed and anointed. Because if you do that, we're going to see God's glory and His victory come to pass. The, the, the next thing I want to uh, talk to you about is God's prayers. The, the idea that God has. Found First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. He says, I urge you then, first of all, and let me just stop there. That's a powerful word, isn't it? I urge you. I urge you. It, it's, it's, it's filled with, with passion and, and, and it's like this imploring. I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone. We need to be praying for the body of Christ, praying for everyone, even outside that. He goes on to say in verse 2, For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And in verse 3, This is good and pleases God our Savior, 
When we start to pray for one another, it pleases the Lord. It brings glory to, to the Lord. God is thrilled when we start to pray and we love one another. Praying for everyone. I think one of the most important things that we can pray is praying for the, the household of faith. For the believers in the body of Christ. I believe that that's a responsibility that God lays upon every believer. And everyone who believes, that's it? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to pray for the household of faith. You know, life would be so much easier if we really did that. If we were really lifting up the body of Christ. And, and just praying for God's blessing, God's protection, God's uh, anointing upon each and every one of us. So there'd be like a canopy of prayer that surrounds us. You know, I, I, you've probably experienced this as well. There, there are times when you think you're going to be facing a really difficult situation. You think, I just don't know how this is going to work out. And you, you're kind of dreading it. You, you, you know, you're finding it difficult. And then, then you get to the situation and it's a piece of cake. That happened to you? Okay. Wow. It, it, it's a, you know, and then you find out that behind it, there was somebody praying and interceding on your behalf. And suddenly you realize, hey, God heard their prayers and brought about deliverance in my situation. So praying for the body of Christ is what is praying for everyone. Praying, and that goes beyond the body of Christ. But our first, first call is to pray for the body of Christ. Because the real battle is in the heavenlies. And the devil knows that the most powerful threat... To, to his kingdom is the church. And so he must take out the church. You are marked for destruction. But God has marked you and blessed you with life. God wants to be. And we need to pray for one another. We need to pray God's protection, blessing upon the entire church. Upon every single person who comes. That God would protect them, bless them, provide for them, lead them. Guide them, praying for the will of God to, to be done in their heart and in their life. Pray for those in authority. I love what Chuck Carson, um, the, the American politician who ended up going to jail, uh, said about it. He became a born-again Christian in jail, and uh, he had, had a really radical transformation. He said when he was in, in prison, we prayed every night for the warden. In praying for those in authority. Every night we prayed for the warden. He said some nights we prayed that he'd be moved to another church, uh, to another prison, but we prayed for him. <laughs> you know, so uh, it was just a simple prayer, but he prayed for those that, that were in authority. We need to pray for our work situation or pray for our marriages or pray for wherever we, we con congregate together. We pray the blessing of God. You know, when you pray for your boss, sometimes we go to work and it's a real difficult situation. I remember when I was working in the tobacco industry, there were times where I was, when I drive onto the properties, I, I felt like I was stepping into the gates of hell. Because at, at that stage, I was the only Christian that I knew about in this, com in this company, and it was really a worldly company. And so I, I really prayed, and I started praying for, for uh, the situation. And, uh, Praying for, for my, those that were in, in authority in, in, um, in, in the company. And it turned out that um, the, one of the directors was a, a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. And we got talking one day. And I said, hey, I'd love to start a prayer meeting amongst the, 
amongst all the workers. And it was amazing how God really began to move in that situation. And after a while, it was like, uh, instead of going to, into work into the gates of hell, it was like, hey, I'm going to a place of ministry. The atmosphere, whether it was just psychological in my mind, but God really blessed me. I went into that place and I enjoyed my day's work. I was able to witness to people and lead them to the Lord. And so it, it was a real difference that came about because we pray for those in authority. Hallelujah. When we do that, this brings pleasure to the Father. Simple. Christianity is not difficult. Just do these simple things and you'll bring, you will bless the Father. How many want to bless the Father? Shout amen. amen. So we just need to pray. We need to pray for, for everybody. Pray for especially those in the household of faith. Uh, pray for leaders. Uh, and, and pray uh, that in, in ways that God's blessing falls upon them. The next thing that, that I discovered in the scriptures that actually pleases the Lord uh, was living a sacrificial life. That pleases God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 uh, says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I love the worship up here. But God says, when, when, you, when you're not in church, the way that we worship Him is by living this sacrificial life, living a, a sacrifice. We understand in the Old Testament that when, when, when the sacrifice was offered, they, they killed it. They, they, they slit its throat and the blood was poured out. It was dead. And so, it, figuratively, God is saying, I want you to be dead to yourself. I want you to be a living sacrifice. Live in a way that pleases me. And when, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about Abraham and Isaac. I thought, God, you know, I, I, I remember uh, I, I, my son was about five years old um, when, when I was reading the scripture. And for the first time, I kind of related as a father this scripture to what Abraham and Isaac did. Uh, and I suddenly realized, you know, you can know intellectually, yeah, and, and yet not know emotionally, not be connected in, in that same way. And suddenly, I'm, I'm realizing for the first time, more than intellectually what happened, emotionally, the, the sacrifice that, that Abraham was making when he was offering his son. And all I could see was me offering my son. And the trauma that actually affected me, was, I was devastated. I'd known this Bible story since I was a kid. But suddenly, it was a, it was a new revelation. What Isaac... Uh, uh, what Abraham and Isaac was doing, that Abraham would offer his son. Now, uh, that, that was quite common uh, in, in, in the pagan religions uh, around about Israel. They, they would often throw the, their kids into the fire, maybe a kind of birth control or whatever. Kid didn't like, you didn't like, oh, we'll, we'll sacrifice him today out of it. Um, but so that was common practice. But certainly in Israel, uh, that, that it was not common. And then Abraham says, God, I'm going to do that. And I thought, Lord, he was offering up the most precious, precious thing that he had. His son and heir. 
love the Lord. I want to be willing, not necessary to offer my son up, but Lord, I want to be willing to give you full access to my life. I want to be willing to do whatever you ask me to do. And I, I was sitting there and thinking that and, and, and I became very emotional. I broke down because from my heart I was saying, God, I give you everything. I surrender everything. And it was, it was a difficult and yet glorious time. You know, I, 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 as I did that, I, out of this full realization of what I was doing, that I would release everything to the Lord, that He had full demand on my money, He had full demand on my home, He had full demand on my car, whatever. I gave it completely and totally to the Lord. I said, Lord, it's all yours. Use it as you see fit. You know, we, we put up total strangers in our house. They've come, they've asked for accommodation, we've given them. I haven't known who they are, um, but it's the Lord's house, so we, we, we do that. And when I made that decision, when it was it was difficult, but I thought, God loves me, how can I withhold this? I said, okay, Lord, I, I'm, I'm going to make that decision. And an amazing sense of God's presence came. There was an anointing that came upon me. And I suddenly realized that God was saying, I'll never ask of you something that you cannot do. I'll never ask you to give something you cannot do. And there was this peace of God that filled my heart. And uh, it, it was just amazing. So it's, it's about those things that we cherish. Some of the things that we cherish need to be placed on the altar. You know, sometimes... It's the things we watch on TV or the books we read. or uh, They're things that uh, we, we love, but that are not necessarily healthy or conducive to a good Christian walk. And sometimes we need to put those on the altar because they are not good for us to sacrifice them and let them down. When our devotion to God outweighs our selfish ambition, we are pleasing the Lord. And our whole heart's desire should be, I want to please God. God is so good. God is so wonderful. I, I love the Lord. And the longer I serve Him, the more I love Him. Can you say amen? Amen. God is lovely. God is wonderful. When we place God first, others second, and ourselves at the bottom of the list, we're truly becoming the servant of all. We're truly living for Christ. Be becoming that uh, living sacrifice. It's exalting God with an extreme passion. I love the Lord and we're willing to do that. The next thing that we need to see that, that I found that, that pleases the Lord is found in a very well-known scripture in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Man, we could just stop there. How many of us have been conformed to the pattern of this? Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Why? Because God's got something better. God's got something more glorious and more wonderful. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. He is good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
pleasing God. You know, uh, I was praying and uh, sometime back, and uh, and God gave me a vision of, of a net, uh, a big trawler net, and uh, it, it came up out of the sea, and suddenly I saw in the trawler net were lots and lots of people. They were tumbling around in the net and going to the bottom. And, and, and they were all taken captive in, in the trawler net. They were struggling to get free. Half of the Lord began to say to me, there are many things, are bad habits that are taking my people captive. They've been snared by sin when I brought them into a liberty in my life. And so God is saying that we need to change the way that we think because many times it's our attitudes that produce the works in our life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The way that you think is the way that you will go. So many times we actually have areas of our life where we should be walking in victory, but we are actually ensnared. We find ourselves in bondage. Why? Because we haven't renewed our minds to the truth that Christ has set us free. And that there is no prison that can hold us. There's no chain that can bind us. We are free in Jesus' name. And the more we renew our mind with the truth of God's word, the more glorious and more liberating our freedom becomes. Many are experiencing defeat. They, 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 they should be living in victory, but they are struggling. And they're finding it really hard to please the Lord. But you know, when you love God and He is everything to us, it becomes easy. It's a labor of love. For those that are looking at their lives this morning and realizing that there are areas where you feel that you've been taken captive, you've been caught up in this great net, and even though Christ has, has died for you and set you free and forgiven you of your sins and blessed you with the gift of righteousness and that He loves you regardless, you still have these issues, these areas uh, where you're struggling, I've got a word for you this morning. God is your deliverer. God is your Savior. And as we come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to bring this aspect of my life. Put it on the altar. Start to renew your mind. Say, Lord, I'm no longer going to go down that road. I'm trusting you to empower me to walk free. And as we begin to renew our mind and begin to confess the right words, we're going to see the fruit of the cross manifested in our life. And everyone who said, Amen. Amen. Remember what it says in John 6, 63? It said, The words that I speak unto you, Jesus said, they are spirit and life. And the word of God in our mouth is still spirit and life because it's still God's word. When we're speaking God's word, God's word is just as effective whether it's coming out of God's mouth or whether it's coming out of our, our mouth because it's still God's word. Amen. And it's God's word that will change everything. God will be, begin to transform and change every area of our life. So the things that you're battling with, those areas that you would love to uh, put on the altar today, I want you to start to renew your mind. I want you to start confessing your deliverance, your freedom over these things. And this amazing transformation takes place. You know, our God is the God of hope. He is Lord of the breach. That's one of His titles. Lord of the breach, Master of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. Lord of the breach, Master of the breakthrough. You know, it's a, that, the, the Lord of the breach, when you breach a wall, you, you can break out into freedom. And God is Lord of the breach and Master of the breakthrough. 
The life of God is released into your spirit as you begin to confess, as you begin to renew your mind. You, you find a power beginning to work and operate in your life. You can't explain this to somebody who's never experienced it. But how many of you know, can testify, hey, I have experienced that. When I speak the word of God and I confess the Lord and I'm renewing my mind and I'm, I'm exercising faith, I can break out of any prison, amen? amen? I can break out of anything that holds me. And so when we do this, we find that we are pleasing the Lord. Pleasing the Lord. It brings joy to Him when we do these things. And so a, a simple word this morning that of uh, hopefully encouragement that uh, as we look at it, that we can, simple practices that we can implement in our life that will bring glory and, and blessing and honor to the Lord in a way that pleases Him. So renewing our mind is one of them, becoming a living sacrifice, doing the things that we want uh, to, to give to the Lord, praying for everybody, especially the body of Christ, and, uh, and praying for those in authority, praying and preserving the unity together. Shall we just bow our heads in a word of prayer? <coughs> Father, we love you so much. We thank you that your love for us is so all-consuming. Lord, it's a wonderful and glorious love, a magnificent love. Lord, you only have good things in store for us. You never do things to harm us. Lord, you never do anything but bless your people. Lord, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your patience. Lord, your patience, we thank you. And we want to be those that are pleasing to you. We want to be those that are pleasing to you. And so, as every eye is closed and every head bowed, I wonder if the Lord has spoken to you. Maybe there's something you need to put on the altar. Maybe you need to pray. Your prayer life is not what it ought to be. Uh, maybe it's something totally different, but you feel that you love the Lord and you want to draw closer to Him. You want to... We experience His joy and His blessing upon your life. And you want to make some changes in your life this morning. If that's you, if there's anybody here that says, I, I, I want to press into God, I want to draw close to Him, and I'm willing to renew my mind, I'm willing to, to be a living sacrifice, I'm willing, whatever, Lord, I want, to, I want to please you. That is my motivation. I want to please you. I would love the honor and the privilege of praying for you this morning. Is there anybody here who feels that they want to make a commitment to pressing closer into the Lord? You want to get closer to the Lord? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Their hands are going up all over the place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, such a simple word, but it brings joy to your heart. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters who raised their hands this morning and acknowledged, Lord, that they, they want to draw close to you. I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much. Lord, that you'll never turn us away. Lord, you, you are so extremely loving, so incredibly kind, so uh, wonderful and magnificent. Lord, you embrace us as a father, as a gentle, good, pure, and glorious father. Not all fathers are like that, but you are, Lord. And I just pray that for those that have raised their hands this morning, that you would begin to do a powerful work in each and every one of them. Lord, that you would do a work of renewal and blessing and anointing 
that they would experience a freedom and a joy and a liberty throughout this week as they begin to put into practice, Lord, the, 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 the decision that they're making this morning. So I commit them to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. Okay.